the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. And hello, men, women, boys and girls, Kaz here, and I am thrilled to share this two-hour broadcast of Come Together San Diego with you. And we've got some friends that you're really going to appreciate hearing from. And uh, <laughs> I think if I told you, you would hard, be hard to believe me. I'm going to be inter- somewhere in this first hour, I'm going to be interviewing, get ready, a guy named President Ronald Reagan. Can you believe that? <laughs> I'm actually going to be talking with a, an impersonator who is one of the, the great... Uh, uh, speakers, evangelists in, uh, he's kind of in Florida, Washington, D.C. He's been a friend of mine for some time, and he's a wonderful impersonator as well. A great guy with great depth. I want you to meet my friend Frank Shelton. Frank, how are you doing, man? Kaz, it's an honor to be back with you. It is always a pleasure, and thank you for the honor to be back. Yes, that's right. You know, Frank and I would do some programs uh, when we were talking about, I don't remember what the topic was, tea party stuff or Christian water cooler stuff years ago, and so I've kept relationship going on with Frank because he's a he's he's one of those, we call him paragons of knowledge, and uh, he's right in the thick of things going on. I think you're living in Florida now, aren't you, Frank? Well, no, 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 I'm still just 15 miles outside of Washington. Oh. We're in, in Southern Maryland. Yeah. Oh, okay, Southern but, Maryland. So you get to. I, gr- I am in Florida preaching from time to time, but I'm I'm right out. I'm matter of fact, I was back at Capitol Hill yesterday. So DC is home. <laughs> I like it. And uh, you have uh, unusual, actually, uh, Holy Spirit insights on that area. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well, if you'd be so kind. But let's start out with a little bit of a uh, uh, kind of an overview of who Frank Shelton is, and then we'll jump into some other fun stuff, Frank Shelton. Yeah, well, Kaz, well, thank you. Well, first of all, I just want to say hi to all your listeners. Number one, I love the West Coast, and I tell you, California is special. And uh, I, I wanted to do three things with my life, and I wanted to go into politics. I either wanted to enter um, security and protect the president, or I wanted to preach the gospel. And um, the Lord allowed me to enter all three of those vocations in different forms. And uh, I stepped out 12 years ago at the end of this month, July 27, 2007, left my Capitol Hill career and walked away from retirement 401k health insurance by faith without a single booking lined up to preach the gospel. And the first three weeks went by and the phone didn't ring. And I thought, (laughs) oh, Lord, I must have not heard the Lord. And the mortgage was coming the next week, and uh, they told me, when you're in God's will, it's on his bill. When God guides, he provides. And they said, Frank, you're not going to be God's guinea pig. He hasn't failed anyone yet. He's not going to fail you. And the Lord is never in a hurry, but he's always on time. 
and 12 years now, I've now been in 48 of 50 states, just preached in Alaska last month, and I've now been invited in six continents since stepping out by faith. So God knew what he was doing. Um, but yeah, my background was Capitol Hill, and I had the honor to be a special assistant with the uh, now the uh, was a House Majority Leader of Congress, and then I was an aide to the governor of Maryland, and I was the youngest in 40 years to be appointed as floor staff on the United States Senate floor to work for all 100 senators as a bipartisan figure. I was a fundraiser for four years for George W. Bush at the Republican National Committee. So we've kind of bounced around, but I wanted more than just one party at my funeral. I love that Paul was all things to all men yes. to win some. <laughs> yes. And so it's not hypocritical. I like to think it's borderline hysterical or historical, <laughs> but I just think that, you know, I'm just trying You did that on purpose, like, didn't you, Frank? I know you. Well, yeah, I tell you, and it, I just love being with you, but the backstory, you know, Kaz, but your listeners may find this intriguing. My family, we counted, I am actually now a sixth-generation Washingtonian, and uh, I was actually five, and now my nephews under me would be six, but my my family has protected the last 27 of 29 United States presidents. And if we recall, we go all the way back. It was my great, great, great grandfather, Joseph Gale Shelton, Good Friday, Ford's Theater, 1865. Oh, my. That was on duty at Ford's Theater the night President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Oh, my. He was two doors down. They said that the man that was guarding Lincoln's door that night was under the influence of alcohol. Oh, my. And although he was two doors down in two obituaries, we believe he was one of the first to respond. And in both obituaries, it said that it was a Shelton, my ancestor, who hand-carried arguably the greatest president of all time. He carried Lincoln across the street. And uh, let me just park the car here. What's really interesting there was an African-American butler at the White House that the Lincolns put on staff. And I say this respectfully because we have friends all over the world of all different shades of color. But if it was Lincoln who freed the slaves, I often thought, why don't more of us consider to vote for the party that helped give you freedom? Yes, yes, yes. When he walked by Lincoln and saw when Lincoln walked by the African-American butler night after night, he would tip his hat, the stovetop hat and look at his African-American friend on the payroll, and he would say, see you later. I read an account that the night they walked to Ford's Theater, the great Lincoln walked past the African-American and said goodbye. Oh, my, my, my. I'm convinced that Lincoln knew that his time was up. And I have this saying, winners are wonderful. It's the wannabes you got to watch out for. The greats are gracious, and they all know when their time is up. I'm convinced that Lincoln knew not only his days were short, the hour was late, and the sand had run out of his life bottle. My, my. And I believe ministry minus urgency equals catastrophe. <laughs> and if we always do what we always did, we'll always get what we always got. Oh my! So so I, wait a I minute. Whoa, 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 that, Frank, 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 say that again. That, that bears I, noting, my listening friend, take note on this. If you do what you always yeah. did, go for it, Frank. Yeah. 
if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. <laughs> and and I just wrote to a friend. I had a state senator recently ask me to help prepare his remarks on a pro-life issue. And I reminded him of what the great um, Margaret Thatcher wrote, a telegram that went to George Herbert Walker Bush Sr., President Bush 41, the night before they went into Desert Storm. And the great prime minister female, who sometimes maybe had more strength than a lot of the men, yes, she wrote to President Bush and she said, Mr. President, now's not the time to get wobbly in the knees. And they went in, the rest is history, and very few Americans were killed in that campaign. And, you know, sometimes you just need that extra push to know that you're on the right track. Frank Sheldon, I... yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm so honored to have you, and we're going to ply you with questions throughout this entire hour. My listening friend, I, I know that you're thrilled about some of the things that Frank has said, and we're going to deal with these in greater detail in this hour. And by the way, have I mentioned, uh, Frank is a, an impersonator excel, par excellence, and uh, you should hear, actually, it's not that you should hear his, his uh, Ronald Reagan voice, but you are going to hear that <laughs> about... Uh, at the bottom of this hour and get ready for that because I went out and I pulled some of the great quotes of Ronald Reagan that deal with things that are pertinent today. And Frank and I have done this before and we call this interview, what would Ronnie say? So I want you to be prepared for that probably at the bottom of this hour. But Frank Sheldon, uh, Shelton, we're going to take a commercial break and come right back. And I'm going to, if you don't mind, ply you with questions that deal with your experience on Capitol Hill, your experience ministering the gospel you minister to young people and older people to get uh, both and you they 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 all love you i i can tell you that from my observation and then we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, things that are going on today frank shelton uh in washington dc and that area uh i know you're with me for the full hour are you not Oh, yes, sir. I'm here. Thank you so much. <laughs> and if you said no, we would have some major problems, Frank Schultz. <laughs> Frank's, a, 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 as you can tell, he's a, a deep guy, but he also is a fun a fun guy as well. So my listening friend Frank Shelton and Kaz are going to be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. So you may not have known what you'd be getting in for on this Come Together San Diego show, but I'll tell you what, it's remarkable, especially when we have a guy here, uh, Frank Shelton, who's not only a, 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 I would say, world-class evangelist and a speaker, you should see him with young people in audience and the young people uh, you should see him with the older people. Now, he goes right to the heart, and he commands attention. But I want to spend some time talking about his past life, if you will. Uh, he has been involved. He called it a Capitol Hill career where he was uh, on a staff uh, on the Senate floor and so many other things, uh, working on different campaigns and, and different things like that. I want to just kind of have Frank t- tell us a little bit about some specific things on that. Frank, are you game for those things? Oh yes, sir. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the your work with Republicans and Democrats on the Senate floor. You know, right now it's a lot of things are contested. Almost everything is contested: uh, Republican versus Democrat, uh, liberal versus conservative, and all that kind of stuff. Back when you were doing this, how many years ago was this, Frank? 
Well, when I was appointed um, the floor staff of the Senate, it was April 12, 1995. I was 23 years old when Howard Green, the Senate Sergeant at Arms, who was a Republican when the Senate uh, was run by the Republican Party, he picked me on. And out of 5,500 Senate staff, only three worked on the floor of the United States Senate as a bipartisan uh, position to kind of help oversee protocol. And most people would say I work for a senator. I remember there was Diane Feinstein and Barbara Boxer back in 95. Feinstein, of course, you know, some people are still there. But the bottom line is it's one thing to say you work for a senator. and What an honor. But there was only three of us that could truly say we work for all 100 senators my, and my. the vice president who was the president of the United States Senate. Yes. And it was my job also from this California connection the great Dr. Lloyd Ogilvie was chaplain of the United States Senate. Some suggest that he was the sharpest dressed man in the Senate. He had the <laughs> voice of God. He sounded like a white James Earl Jones. Nine out of ten years. I mean, he had the <laughs> voice of God. And uh, Cufflings Taurus often mistake him for a U.S. senator. Yes. And it was my honor, Senator Strom Thurmond, 94-year-old Republican from South Carolina, Ran for president in 1948. One of the, you know, you had the Dixiecrats back in the day. And here's another tidbit. It was him, a white Republican Southern senator, was one of the absolute first to hire an African-American on his staff. Oh, my. On that whole East Coast. So, but he was the president pro tem. And uh, he would hold on my one elbow and he would hold on the elbow of Dr. Lloyd Ogilvie, the chaplain, who at one time, was Ronald Reagan's pastor when he was governor of California. Oh, my. I want to say it was uh, Hollywood Press or Bel Air Presbyterian, one of those right there. But we would walk in, help Strom Thurmond get up to the rostrum, and then Dr. Ogilvie, with his booming biblical voice, would then open up with prayer. So I would like to talk to you a little bit about—I would like to talk with you a little bit about that, and we would open up with— prayer component. Now, you know, a lot of things as you look, as I view the news and I read things, uh, it, the, the Judeo-Christian value that has supposed to been, have been permeating, uh, you know, our government, and rightly so from the Constitution's perspective, uh, has been uh, disallowed or alienated in many ways. What would you say uh, is the, let's say, temperature in uh, Congress these days about Judeo-Christian values versus when it was back then. Back then, you know, you could publicly be friends with somebody of the opposite party. Today, uh, right. they try to steer clear of that. We've got about uh, six or seven minutes in this segment, so give us kind of an overview on that, Frank Shelton. Well, I would, to give you two answers, and it's not speaking out of both sides of my mouth, the initial <laughs> answer would be, quote, it's doom and gloom. Um you're right. Back in the day, it was almost like professional wrestling. They may get obnoxious on camera and then go out for a steak dinner and talk it over at night. You know, for the camera, they looked uh, irate, you know, wanted to rip someone's head off. But they could go out right or wrong, talk it through and still get some things done. You know, I love alliteration. You know, sometimes they could come together and, and do something on a bipartisan fashion. And that's not a bad word these days. And compromise isn't always a bad day or a bad word, as long as it's not compromising your values. values. Exactly. Think, yeah, we need to come together. Um, so, but we have come a ways with race, but politically, 
among racial lines, Republicans, Democrats. I, it's as volatile as I've ever seen it. And would you say those uh, dividing lines are also in the Judeo-Christian versus non-Judeo-Christian uh, entities in, in government? Well, that's a good question, but let me just preface this. When I said doom and gloom out the gate, this is where your listeners will be encouraged. This is a fact. We've done some research. There are more born-again Christians in this Congress than any time in a hundred years. My, That's my. encouraging. It is encouraging. Number two, I have a friend who leads the weekly White House Cabinet Bible Study, and eight years ago he started coming uh, to Washington and started leading a House Bible Study and a Senate Bible Study, and in that House Bible Study was an unknown congressman, Republican from Indiana by the name of Mike Pence. Oh, my. And that Bible study was an unknown Mike Pompeo, who went to be CIA director to now Secretary of State. And that Bible study was a woman named Michelle Bachman, uh-huh. who's now helped leading a Bible study at the United Nations. Yes, she is. Um, then you, and then on the Senate side, you know, you got Ted Cruz. And when Franklin Graham helped do the 50-state Decision America tour, 82% of evangelicals went out and voted, and Trump shocked the world. And then he picked Mike Pence, who had been in the inner circles of the belly of the beast, if you will, on the house side. Sharp man, a man of integrity, loves the Lord. He looked to Pence, and then Pence, I was told, handpicked to help Trump pick at least 10 cabinet members that came out of that Bible study. And like Michelle Bachman and, and Pompeo is involved as, as well. And, you know, yeah, th- there's no question like, about that, Frank, that God has seeded this administration with believers. And uh, one of the things that it thrills my heart is there is very clear that uh, President Trump uh, it does not just treat them lightly. He pays very close attention to what they have to say because these are matters of the heart, and he knows how I believe he knows how vital things are in America, but also the world, that uh, you can't survive without God input. Want to speak to that? We've got about three or four minutes left in this segment, Frank. Yeah, and I would also say, see, it may not have been PC to go to that Bible study for those elected officials, but if you honor JC, JC literally trumps PC, and what trumps Trump (laughs) is the triune God. (laughs) That will preach. And at number two, I also believe... What we have learned is that if you honor God in private, he will promote you in public. Yes. And so these elected officials at some of the highest levels have a hunger and thirst for God's word, and they have gotten along when it may have not have been popular, maybe even their own caucus. Some of their own colleagues said, hey, just leave that at the door. But I love that verse, whatever your hand finds to do, do it for God's glory. Too, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto you. And I believe when you promote the Lord, the Lord will promote you. Yes. You know, there was a sign that used to be in our house, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We take it a step further, blessed is the nation whose leaders live and love the Lord. And I just believe righteousness exalts a nation. So I know we're in not only turbulent times, but possibly the last times, the last days, when what's good is called evil and what is evil is called good. So I want to encourage you, not all politicians are part of the problem. They're actually part of the solution. And the interesting thing is the U.S. Capitol sits on First Street in Washington, and I believe a lot of pulpits are to blame in America because they have turned their back on Washington Some suggest that revival, this may floor some of your listeners, but it may reiterate with others, some believe revival of all places may start in Washington. 
And it may not be in the pulpits. It may be in public servants who've been touched by a holy God and not ashamed to stand in the gap for him. And here's the thing. Even Jonathan Edwards and the great evangelists of the past would often go to the state capitol. They would go to the leaders, Billy Graham, past 13 U.S. presidents, but he knew 12 of them before they were president. And the interesting thing is by going at the top, it trickled down to bless those in Main Street and in farms all across rural America. And I really believe God is not done with America. Oh, he isn't done with America for sure. You know, one of the things that I've been uh, involved with is a group called Awaken the Dawn and David's Tent, actually located in the National Mall. And if you meander around there, you're a little bit familiar with what's going on there. 24 hours a day, seven days a week for over three years now, worship and praise in the National Mall, giving glory to God and and using, you know, ministering in, in music, scripture in music, and, and uh, the Psalms and things like that is remarkable. And uh, I'm seeing, you know, there's there's an undergirding of people that have been placed in key and specific places that have that relationship with the Lord can, that can impact many. We're, we're going to come to a commercial break here, Frank, but I want you to get your uh, impersonation voice uh, cued in here because we're going to spend some time with you in this next segment. My listening friend, I've been looking forward to doing this interview with Frank. I mean, Ronald Reagan. I mean, Frank, uh, for a long time now. This is going to be what we, we called it, what would Ronnie say? And so what I've done, in, and we'll deal with this in the next segment, is I've pulled quotes from some of the great speeches of Ronald Reagan before he was president and during his presidency. And uh, and you'll be amazed at some of these hot buttons that are that are pushed today and uh, Ronald Reagan's perspective on it. So let's just say this. Uh, evangelist uh, Frank Shelton and Kaz are going to spend some time in this next segment uh, going back to the 1980s and conduct a very telling and unique interview with the 40th president of the United States, Ronald Reagan. And uh, stay with us, and you'll see what we mean. You will not want to miss it. Frank and I will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Judy Ross, co-pastor of Cloud9 Worship Center. San Diego, I am declaring over you, you are the southwest gate of this nation. And through you will pour abundance and greatness and the glory of God. That's what you were created for. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I've been looking forward for this segment for a long time. It's a really honor to have a friend uh, and President Reagan, Ronald Reagan impersonator, Evangelist Frank Shelton with me. And as a result, it's going to allow me to actually conduct an interview, get this, with the 40th president of the United States. So I think he's coming into the studio. Uh, Oh, hang on for a second. This is so exciting. Bear with me here. You know, my friends, 
among the most amazing quotes that Ronald Reagan has given are from speeches like a speech called A Time of Choosing, speech which was actually delivered on October 27th, 1964, on behalf of then-presidential candidate Barry Goldwater. And I'm going to be taking other excerpts uh, that were taken from various other speeches and interviews delivered by Reagan during his presidency, January 1981, all the way through uh, January 1989. I'll tell you what an honor this is. Hang on for a second. He's coming in to the studio. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. President. It's, it's, it's beyond words. It's exciting. I, I, I want to spend just a moment talking with you. It's really a pleasure because some of your insights from back in those days are pertinent, for, really pertinent for us today. So it's, it's an honor to be talking with you and many of those issues that we're facing today, you dealt with then. Right, Mr. President? Well, absolutely, Kaz, and God bless you, and what an honor to be with Come Together, Well, San Diego. <laughs> Mr. President, I know you've got limited time, so let's jump right in, and uh, I'm going to ask you some political questions that are really I would say really dividing this nation today as we approach the 2020 election. It's uh, turbulent, to say the least. You know, one of the uh, topics really deal with socialism in America. The, the Liberal Party really seems to be more interested in embracing socialism instead of the uh, current approach to government. And I know you have a real I- insights regarding socialism. Socialism used to be a, <laughs> a dangerous political word back in your day, didn't it, Mr. Reagan? Well, yes, it did, Kaz. Actually, back in 1927, an American socialist by the name of Norman Thomas was a six-time candidate for president on the Socialist Party ticket. Back then, he said that under the name of liberalism, the American people will adapt every fragment of the socialist program. Wow. He also said that the American people would never vote for socialism. He was sincere, but sincerely wrong. (laughs) Mr. Reagan, it seems like today liberalism is really the key platform of the Democratic Party. And, of course, the Republican Party embraces a more conservative point of view. What are your thoughts on that, Mr. President? Well, the trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. <laughs> Mr. President, you know, that's a very, very funny thought. And, um, uh, you know, one of the things that really elevated you in the eyes of, of uh, the public is your heart cry for doing valid things, but also your sense of humor. So how would you say socialism is being made so appealing these days to voter? It boggles my mind. Great question. Kaz, one of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism has been by way of medicine. By medicine, that that rings a lot of bells here with, you know, the health care and all that kind of stuff going on. Very, very interesting. You know, today, Mr. President, the liberal liberal people are really pitching free health care for everyone. They don't (laughs) like to mention that. Taxes upon everyday people will ultimately pay for those health care plans, and it will drive everybody poor. <laughs> so they say that um, the wealthy really should be paying for these health care things, but the tax increases will actually be felt by all of us if they do the math. That's the kind of thing that uh, can really mess up a booming economy, don't you think? Well, that's a valid point. Government's view of the economy could be summed up in a few short phrases. If it moves, 
tax it. If it keeps moving, regulate it. And if it stops moving, subsidize it. <laughs> Mr. Pre- Mr. President, uh, it seems like many politicians today in general and liberals more specifically are really less concerned about the, uh, the morality uh, of heavy taxes or the immorality, I should say. Uh, they're actually more interested in creating government programs instead of letting uh, free commerce solve the nation's problems. I guess, in a way, uh, they're recommending a brand of, I would say, socialism uh, to handcuff businesses, you know, keep them uh, from establishing a bustling economy. What do you think, Mr. President? Well, it doesn't require confiscation of private property or business to impose socialism on a people. It is not whether you hold the deed or the title to your business or property. It is that the government holds the power of life and death over that business or property. My, my, uh, President Reagan, you, you hit it right there so, so much. So, huh, we, America misses you, sir. You know, in the Constitution, it's supposed to be we the people who are the bosses of the government and the politicians. That's how it's supposed to be. But they seem more interested in being the all-powerful government than the uh, power being f- from the, you know, the individual citizens. What are your thoughts? Precisely. Beware of the full power of centralized government. This was the very thing the founder fathers sought to minimize. They knew that governments don't control things. A government can't control the economy without controlling people. And they know when a government sets out to do just that, it might use force and coercion to achieve achieve its purpose. They also knew, those founding fathers, that outside of its legitimate functions, government does nothing as well as our or as economically as the private sector of the economy. My, 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 that is so true, Mr. President. Wow, you know, it seems like the uh, moral convictions of doing what is right is actually (laughs) giving way to things that are most beneficial for a political party or even a politician. Do you have any thoughts on that, President Reagan? Well, they don't subscribe to our sense of morality. They don't believe in an afterlife. Sadly, they don't believe in Almighty God. They don't even believe in religion. The only morality they recognize, therefore, is what will advance advance their calls or socialism. Wow. And socialism is, is rearing its ugly head these days, I'll tell you what, Mr. President. You know, Mr. President, uh, we could honestly debate the important issues most often that the liberals refuse to, you know, they refuse to debate. They feel like uh, things like, you know, man-made climate change or abortion or border issues uh, need allowed screaming and yelling instead of actually uh, conscientious debate on things like that. You know, as a result, they start calling us names like uh, being psychopaths or haters. What are your thoughts on that, Mr. President? I know that you experienced pieces of that uh, during your uh, presidency. Our Democratic opponents seem unwilling to abate these issues. They want to make you and I believe that this is a contest between two individuals. Oh that my. we're to choose just between two personalities. Boy, we're getting a lot of that uh, now in the president, uh, our President Trump's uh, pe- period of time where he's uh, in head of the presidency here in the United States. You know, this whole battle of personalities instead of between policies is really, really, really true in these days. 
you know, honestly, Mr. President, I think we've reached critical mass. You know, our liberal-minded politicians claim our president is a warmonger. Uh, sometimes they say he's uh, in a position of vulnerability, giving things away to other governments. They would rather seek uh, a compromise than having somebody with a strong uh, conviction, uh, and they would rather embrace the less turbulent way. What are your thoughts on that? Well, kids, I remember something that my mother told me as a little child. She told me, Ronnie, it's okay to debate ideas, but never destroy an individual. I think today our friends to the left would be more right if they applied that same type of principle. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow, but every lesson of history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement, and it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. Oh, my, Mr. Reagan, that's... I, I am almost at a loss of words with your wisdom, and we we really appreciate your wisdom. And there are some people that are espousing that that uh, wisdom today, but they're being branded as uh, psychopaths and other things like that. So uh, thank you for your insights. I know you've got other things going on today, and I can tell you something, Mr. President. America really appreciates your moral clarity, the investment in time that you made over this nation, and the truths that you've shared that are still being shared in your speeches and in memory of you. Mr. President, what a pleasure to talk with you, sir. Well, indeed, it is my honor, Kaz, and I still love America. (laughs) And I love the last four letters of American because it reminds me I can. Well, you can, and we all can still do great things when God is our guide. If I can just go out on a limb and off the script and just share something when I was governor running for president. May I have the floor? Well, for another minute. (laughs) Absolutely. I'd like to share with you, Nancy and I was, well, we were somewhere in Iowa. And some people suggest as Iowa goes, well, so goes the nation. And I, coming from California, well, with that Hollywood background, I was speaking coast to coast, and I came across a farm, and I went up to the farmer and said, Will, my name's Ronald Reagan. He looked at me like I had three heads and said, Who are you? He said, Well, I'm running for president. And I said to the farmer, One, thank you for your service. It's because of you behind the scenes that make America great. I then said, Can I speak on your property and give my platform speech. He looked at me and then looked at his wife and said, I guess there'd be no harm. There was no elevation or wheel platform or podium for me to speak. I saw a barrel of hay and the farmer asked me over there is a pile of fresh dung. (laughs) And he said, why don't you stand over there? And he told me that even back then, some of his people were leaning to not only the left side, but, well, the far left, maybe even leaning towards socialism. And I was trying to honor him, and I was on home court advantage. So I went ahead and stood where he told me to stand. 
And halfway through my speech, everyone, well, they were clapping. All glory to God, but they didn't call me the great communicator by accident. Everyone gave me a standing ovation. And Kaz, looking back, they really weren't clapping for me. I believe they were clapping for America. Yes. They wanted a change. And when I finished, I looked at the farmer. And I said, what did you think my remarks? He said, I've never heard a Republican before. (laughs) And I said, it's okay. I've never stood on a socialist platform before. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Frank Sheldon, the impersonator for Ronald Reagan. Uh, Oh, what fun. I've been looking forward to doing this segment for some time. Ronald Reagan had some great insights, not only for his day, but for our day as well. We're going to have Frank Sheldon come back for one more segment, and we're going to talk about other things that deal with some of the ministry things that he's doing and uh, how it deals with uh, flying uh, on the Lion of Judah. I mean, it's going to amaze you. I know you like some of those key words, but wait until you hear how Frank puts those together. Frank Shelton and Cass <laughs> and President Reagan will be right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. Hey, Frank. Frank Shelton is with me, and he's kind of a world-class evangelist uh, and a speaker. And he's called. He, he loves to do summer camps and things like that because he's in his element there, and he loves to speak uh, right right to the hearts of people, right where they are. So, Frank, I've heard so many good things about you, but we've been friends for some time, and uh, you're a remarkable guy. Thank you for joining me on this first hour, Frank. No, it's it's been a blast, and you know. What an honor, and I, I love the, even the commercial breaks. I love the old preaching and revival, and um, that's my heart as well. And if someone's listening, if we can ever compliment you and, and speak at a church or a corporate event or even public school, we'd be honored. Our website's just frankshelton.com. But having said that, um, I want to thank you for your ministry, and I'm so proud of you, Kaz, and this Come Together San Diego. I want to thank you all for stepping up when others sat out. And the role, um, for five years, I had the honor to be a state coordinator with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I did 10 of Franklin's 50-state Decision America tour, and I was with D.C., Delaware, and Maryland. But I want to thank you because that San Diego outreach, that first one last year, was, I believe, the largest attended in California. And I tip my hat to you and your listeners because together— you guys did it big, so I know God's smiling, and I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you, Frank Sheldon. You know, one of the things that I'm observing throughout the nation as I speak with people uh, is that the, God has got his people in prime places. They may not be high-profile places, but he's got people in places that can be very instrumental for what God wants to do in this nation. And yeah. so that thrills my heart, and just having you know, a piece of the puzzle, as do you, and how we can be synchronized one with another. We've got about... Actually, can you believe it? About five or six minutes in this last uh, segment, uh, we had to truncate this because Ronald Reagan spoke a little longer. But that's—he's the yeah. president; he can do what he wants. <laughs> but one, when the president speaks, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that you told me about last time we talked uh, on the phone was you're in, involving yourself with a way for people to get to Jerusalem. Uh, from the United States, and you called this Judah One Airline. So take a couple minutes to tell a little bit about that and maybe how people can find out more about that. And then I'm going to have you yeah. say a prayer over our people as we conclude our first hour. Frank Shelton. 
Amen. Well, real quick, my dear friend Everett and Kathy Aaron from Denison, Texas, an hour from Dallas, had a vision to come up with the world's first and only Christian airlines, Judah One, like Lion of the Tribe of Judah. You've heard of the Air Force uh-huh, One. Yes, this absolutely. is Judah One. And Lord willing, um, officially, come late October this year, they're going to be um, flying where they can actually take passengers. And our goal is to take 4,000 Christians starting in January. And we, by using Judah One, which will be a, Lord willing, a Boeing 767 fully chartered jet, it will fly nonstop from JFK, New York, straight into Tel Aviv is the plan. And the catch is most of these Holy Land tours start when your feet hit Israel. This will be when you board the Christian airline. The pilot will pray before the plane takes off. Every other window of the airplane has a Bible verse. They even have a real oven in the back, so no more peanuts. They're actually cooking meals. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And the best part is all luggage flies free. So you can Google Judah One to find out about Everett, Aaron, the founder, or you can also go to icondestinations.com, and we uh, you'll see I'm going to preach for Grammy winner Michael English this November. He used to sing with the Gates of Vocal Band, and um, I personally have 59 friends coming with me, and that's going to be in November. Jason Kravitz going with us, and I don't think it's wrong to let the cat out of the bag, but even First Lady Laura Bush is going to be going with us next year in 2020. Oh my. So it's an amazing different folks. If you go to icondestinations.com, and if you're a pastor or a church you would like to go, we'd love to have you. But back to Everett for Judah One, they're taking missionaries, church planners, medical mission teams, evangelists around the world, and they can put all of their luggage, not only bags, but I'm talking medical supplies, water, Bible, thousands of pounds on the bottom of a plane, and literally touch a nation. And um, we hope to see kind of like relief in the morning and turn it into a revival at night. So we have Dove Award and Grammy winners that are already willing to partner. We have professional athletes of various sports who are Christians. We even heard a story recently where airline pilots heard about what was going, and they said, wow, I would love to donate some time and fly for you guys. Because flying for you is flying for Jesus. So <laughs> those are some exciting things. And, uh, yeah, I just we give God the glory. Yes, yes. You know, one of the things, the stories that you relate, we only have about a minute, minute and a half. So half of that time, I want you to recount this story. And the other half, I want you to pray kind of a benediction over the San Diego peeps. Uh, from your perspective. But uh, one of our favorite people in, in San Diego County, actually two, uh, Jim uh, and Rosemary uh, Schindler-Garlow. And uh, they they were in Washington, D.C. And actually, you had a, an hour or two meeting with them and sharing them with them the idea of, of Judah of, of, of Judah one. And uh, they could hardly contain themselves. You, you see this as bringing people over. They see this as uh, people that make aliyah, getting them, getting them over <laughs> to their home country. A, a brief uh, overview of that. And then I'm going to have you pray over our peep. Yeah, they are amazing people, and um, it was an honor to spend two hours just with the three of us in a a nice hotel in D.C. right outside of, not far from the White House. But Jim, to his credit, grabbed me, and he looked at me, and he said, Frank, it's noble that y'all are trying to take 4,000 Christians to walk where he walked. He said, but I think there's more to this. And I said, yes, sir, please tell me. And he said, you know, in these last days, you know, the Jews are going to be going home temporarily, you know, to Israel home. 
and uh, he said, we believe that you guys will actually almost be chartering and chauffeuring, if you will, <laughs> some of the Jews to return, because in the last days, they will be heading home before they go to the home with the capital H. Yes. And uh, it's just neat to be part of history, and I was always told... If you promote his story, you'll make history every time. Oh, my. Frank Sheldon, would you do this, Leon? I've, I've only got 30 seconds left in this segment. Yeah. Uh, but first of all, let me tell you what an honor it is to bring you on for this hour and give some insights all the way from your ancestors uh, guarding, you know, Abraham Lincoln and, and all those other. Right. I mean, this is just amazing stuff all the way up to uh, the Congress and the Senate floor and things like that. So, but, so you have a lot of overview of what's going on in this nation. So spend about 30 seconds giving us uh, your send off and then I'll begin my other segment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of prayer tonight. We're not petitioning a prime minister. We're not petitioning a religious leader or a Hollywood celebrity. We're not talking to a World Series batting champion. We're talking to the King of Kings, the great I am, almighty God. Jesus, the son of the triune God, I thank you for California. I thank you for San Diego, and I pray right now that you would put your nail-pierced, holy, heavenly hands on that entire beautiful region and state. I pray for them what my preacher always prayed for me. Oh, God, give California happy surprises, and may they turn to you like never before, because Jesus is not a good way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. In his name we pray. Amen. Frank, how wonderful. Thank you for joining us on this hour. This is remarkable. And I got to tell you, you're one of my favorite peeps. You really are. And uh, so I'm excited to see what God wants to do with us in the future. Frank Sheldon, God bless you and all that you do. And thank you for joining us for this hour. And my listening friend, I want to thank you for staying with us because, you know, if you have a heart after Israel and Jerusalem, some of the people that I would call indigenous people have some insights <laughs> that you need to hear about. And we're going to be bringing a couple of those uh, wild and crazy spirit-driven people. We're going to talk to them in the next uh, segment and beyond and uh, open up your ears and open up your blank piece of paper and get ready to take notes uh, because uh, Sandra and Carrie Taplinski of uh, Light of Zion are going to be joining us on this next hour. So guess what, my friends? We're going to take a short commercial break and then Kaz will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. This is Cass. KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas. FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego. K-Praise. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, My friends, have I been excited about sharing my next one-hour uh, host, co-host for this show for Come Together San Diego, Sandra and Carrie Toplinski. They're Messianic Jews. They spend a great deal of time in Jerusalem and Israel, but they also do some summers here <laughs> in San Diego, California. One would wonder why they would come to San Diego for the summer. Oh, it's because, oh, San Diego is, well, because it's San Diego. <laughs> what can I say? Sandra, good to have you. Thank you uh, for the invitation to be here, Cass. And, and Carrie, wonderful to have you as well. Thank you. Okay, well, we're going to spend some time uh, asking you some questions. You have a, an unusual perspective. You uh, spend time in San Diego. You love San Diego. You also love Jerusalem and Israel. And 
the Lord has stirred you into a ministry which you're calling Light of Zion Ministries and is still defining itself in many, many ways. Uh, would you, Sandra, like to take the helm on this and give us a little bit of overview on this? And Carrie and I will insert our input, which is going to be very wise, by the way. <laughs> so go ahead, Sandra sure. Toplinski. Sure. Many years ago, uh, Carrie and I made Aliyah. We are both Jewish. Yes. In your prior segment, um, your guest was talking about his plans his vision concerning Aliyah. And so Aliyah meaning that we have returned to the land promised by God to our forefathers and, and to us. And so we are Israeli citizens as well as American citizens. Our home is essentially in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. We do have a, kind of a summer home here in yes, San Diego County. We're relatively new to San Diego County, but finding that we love it. We love uh, the people here and the Christians. So many are so supportive of Israel. We thank you all who are listening for your support for Israel. Yes, you know, we mentioned in the last segment, uh, Jim and Rosemary, uh, Rosemary uh, Schindler Garlow and Jim, Dr. Jim Garlow, they are good friends of yours as well. One of the reasons you love San Diego is when Jim, uh, Dr. Garlow was pastoring Skyline Church, and that's I think that's one of the first times that I met you guys. But when I saw you guys with your, your reckless abandoning, abandoned in worshiping God and a, a heart cry to, to to hear God's voice and pray it out and speak it out, I, I was um, magnetized by what you had to do and what you had to say. We've got about five minutes left in the segment, so you want to tell a little bit more about some of the background, then, and then you and Carrie and I are going to start talking about other things as well, things that are actually going on in Israel, and uh, we're, uh, I think Carrie and I have devoted an entire segment to talk about the government in Israel. My friend, when you realize the things that are shall we say, going on and not going on in Israel is going to open your eyes. So, Carrie, why don't you take the ball here and get kind of you. I didn't mean Carrie. I'm, I'm sorry, Sandra. <laughs> sure, Kaz. Um, we left our respective careers as a cardiologist and for me as an attorney. A and cardiologist a <laughs> and an attorney. <laughs> because we're passionate about what God is doing with Israel and also the nations. As you probably know, the prophet Ezekiel, I think, summarizes it best in chapters 36 and 37, talking about God calling the Jewish people from around the earth first back to the land, yes. restoring us to the land, and secondly, back to the Lord. And so our heart, desire, and passion was to to move to Israel and to be part of God's spiritual restoration of oh, the Jewish people to the Lord. It's yeah. time. It's time. It has been several generations now since the Holocaust. And as you know, the Holocaust kind of precipitated this return to the land. But God is doing a new work now in the in the land with the hearts of the people. And the uh, evangelical Christian church has played no small part in that. Yes. So there's a, there's a role that the uh, Christian church needs to play. I think this was ordained in Scripture. It's kind of the uh, the reverse uh, Ruth and Naomi thing. Right. It's kind of turn, turn, turning the, that which uh, Naomi uh, was responsible for in bringing Ruth along. Now we Gentile believers need to rethink our perspective on Israel and the Jews and open our hearts uh, as well and see what God has in store. Any thoughts on this, Carrie, as, as we're talking about this topic, or you want us just to continue? <laughs> well, I think that you're right. I think that we have for a long time wanted to see uh, the Christian church in the West uh, embrace God's heart and plans for Israel. And 
we're glad that in the last 20 years or so we've seen that. And I think that it has impacted the nation of Israel, the government of Israel, and hopefully brings about God's plans for the nation. Yes, yes. Sandra, I... I I have to I have to compliment her because she won't compliment herself. She's a remarkable writer. She's writing blogs and she's written a number of books. Many of them you might be familiar with. But she does, she says those are all things past. God's got a new a new plan for me. And uh, so I I said, well, come on anyway. Let's talk a little bit about what He's whispering in your ear. Now we've got about a minute and a half or two minutes in this segment. Uh, uh, any <laughs> you should see her faces, my friend. Uh, she she's just a, <laughs> a, a beautiful lady, and Carrie, and, and Carrie will say. Amen. <laughs> I'm laughing because it would be hard to summarize in a minute or a minute and a half. Well, but this is but, the first, the first minute of, of, of an hour show. <laughs> That's okay. I used to be a lawyer. <laughs> and so what? what is our heart uh, is to see it, a prayer movement at the beginnings of revival through a move of prayer and fasting like our Hebrew prophets called for during biblical times that would position our people to receive the fullness of restoration that it's time for us to receive. Yes, exactly right. And you know, you're, a, you're you guys are scripture lovers. I know. I know. I can. You both have your Bibles open, and, and there's a. There, you might be able to see an actual original word in there. You've got notes all over the place on that. But the thing of the matter is, uh, God has plans, and we're in the thick of those His plans right now. And we have an opportunity to either hear and obey, or let, try to let somebody else uh, take our role. And that would be a very, very sad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we hope to share with those who are listening is how Christians can can participate in what God is doing in Israel um, in areas that perhaps they haven't heard about yet. Yes, yes. And so you heard it originally from uh, Sandra Toplinski and uh, Carrie and Sandra and I are going to continue this topic, as she mentioned, when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, you know, as you delve through the uh, scriptures, you'll find some very telling Scriptures that deal with prayer, the value of prayer. In, in the book of James, it tells us that a fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And uh, throughout uh, Old Testament, or as we would say, the Tanakh, there's a real value of having a conversation one-on-one with the creator of the universe because it does accomplish many things when you uh, knit your heart to his heart and your strategies to his strategies. And one of the things that really draws me to Sandra and uh, Terry Toplinski of Light of Zion Ministries is their heart for prayer. And uh, so we're going to have Sandra set the stage for this. And once again, Carrie and I will insert ourselves where appropriate. So (laughs) Sandra Toplinski, lay it on us. Well, uh, Kaz, as we've we've shared, uh, when Carrie and I uh, moved to Israel, we uh, came to realize that although there were many wonderful international Christians who'd come and set up houses of prayer throughout the land, that there was not a real connectedness of uh, the Israeli citizens themselves, Jews and Arab Christians, who were together praying for our own people. Yes. 
And so what was very much laid on my heart were two key scriptures, Second Chronicles 7.14. Your listeners probably all are familiar with that passage in which God calls us to humble ourselves, yeah. seek his face before him, and that he will hear from heaven and heal our land. My, my, we need that, that, don't we? given to us <laughs> Jewish people yes, yes. initially. And also Isaiah 62, in which God calls watchmen and women on the walls of Jerusalem <laughs> and whatever city we live in. And so what stirred in my heart was that if we Israelis, the indigenous Israelis, those born in Israel, those of us who have immigrated from the nations in prophetic fulfillment of God's covenant promises, if we would respond uh, in, in a manner not unlike that of many international Christians and humble ourselves, come together in unity, in prayer, in corporate fasting, because some things yes. are only broken by but prayer fa- and, prayer and fasting, fasting. Exactly. that God would hear from heaven, that he would heal our land in a way that we haven't yet seen, in a way that he's promised, and could it be that he wants to heal our land, beginning with the land of our hearts? Oh, that is so good. But, you know, that he wants to heal us in a way that he might be waiting for us oh, that is to so take good. that You're step. Exactly And so that's what we are uh, seeking to impart to our people, and we have been thrilled to see the beginnings of a nationwide prayer network, uh, which we call the Israeli Prayer Network, established for what we're told by other Israeli leaders is the first time in Israel's modern With this particular focus. I mean, there are prayer things going on from churches all over the place, churches, but with right. this flavor, Christians. with this purpose, <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Uh, Carrie, some thoughts on this as we get ready to go to a break? The, uh, Israel's only 71 years old, and uh, the church has been around for 2,000 years. There you and, go. And Israel uh, and the Jewish people have uh, depended on the church and Christians for millennia to support them, to pray for them. And within Israel itself, as as Sandra said, this is relatively new. And so we're thankful for the Christians who have supported Israel in prayer for uh, decades. Mm -hmm. uh, But it's through their prayers that this has now been birthed. Yes, and we're going to talk some more about that in the in the next segment. My listening friend, I hope your heart is stirred. Many of the people that listen to this show have really hearts for Israel, hearts for Jerusalem, hearts for the Jewish people. And during during uh, the times that I've been in Israel, I've been seeing some cohesion there like never before. And I think uh, Sandra and uh, Carrie Toplinski of Light of Zion in Jerusalem have seen it as well. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as uh, Come Together San Diego and we continue right after this. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, San Diego. This is Pastor Larry Peltier of Beach Chapel, Encinitas. Lord, we pray for grace and favor for all of San Diego, all those who are homeless, who are sick, who need help. We just thank you, God. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And my friends, welcome back uh, with a stirring conversation with uh, Sandra and 
uh, Carrie Toplinski. They have a ministry in Jerusalem called Light of Zion Ministries. And we've just introduced a topic of prayer, and uh, they have a real vision for prayer, but also uh, doing things on a grander scale like a, a prayer network in that area. And uh, Sandra was just starting to tell us that story, so I'm going to have you continue. And once again, Carrie and I will intercede when necessary. Go ahead, Sandra. <laughs> well, please intercede continually. That's, that's <laughs> oh, fine by me. <laughs> yeah, I knew she'd get me on that one. Go ahead, Sandra. Um, yes, yeah, as, as we were sharing earlier, we have just been um, so blessed to see God begin what we believe is the um, the first fruits, <laughs> or first stages of what we hope will become a national prayer movement among the Israeli citizens. We are so thankful for the ongoing intercession of believers in Jesus from the nations. Uh, Christian support has just been something that, frankly, I never thought I would live to see. This is a bit of a parenthetical, but personally, I grew up in a different part of the of the United States in the Midwest with a with overt physical anti-Semitism, getting yes. beat up for being quote a dirty Jew, which close quote, which is what I was called. I'm not saying that that's an acceptable phrase, no. but uh, being called that and being physically beat, beat up for being Jewish um, as a regular part of my childhood. And so I honestly never lived, I, I never thought I would live to see the day when Christians would demonstrate the love of God to our people. And so we're so appreciative of, of Christian support and prayer for Israel. What's new in Israel is that the indigenous citizens are coming together, and together we are not only coming before God in a spirit of repentance and crying out for a visitation of the Spirit of God in our land and in our people, but we are also going before him at and renewing covenant with him at our patriarchal altars. And I understand this is something that many Christians have done for some time, but it's new for us Jews to do that. And one of the things that we've recently done is we've renewed covenant at the various altars that our patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob built unto God is uh, gather at Beit El or Bethel Uh and ask God to open up uh, something akin to the portal to heaven I that like he it. opened up before Jacob as Jacob slept. We believe that he wants to release a spirit of prophecy in the land of Israel among the indigenous Israelis as well as do something in all the earth. And since we've done that several months ago, we've begun to experience a new thing. Yeah, <laughs> to a, l- a, new l- a little bit of uh, turbulence, but also a, a, a big <laughs> blessings as well. Well, many of those that are praying are sensing that they're hearing prophetically from God. Nice. And so we have begun to take our places as watchmen and women praying very intentionally with the holy fear of God for our government officials as as we're called and told to do. Yes. And in the process of doing that, and this is where we can ask uh, Christian intercessors from the nations to stand along with us, is that uh, although talking politics can be dangerous among Mm -hmm. Israelis, (laughs) even Israelis who are are of the same spiritual stream, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and share that God has spoken out of 1 Kings 11.11 to some of us. 
It was during the 11th hour of the morning and spoke to us out of that passage in which the uh, kingdom that God had given to King Solomon, that he had appointed and anointed King Solomon to rule over Israel, but he communicated to King Solomon that that a kingdom would be taken from him because Solomon's heart had strayed. Yes. And we felt that he could be speaking that our very esteemed Prime Minister Netanyahu, who God has, we believe, appointed and anointed, could possibly be in an 11th hour type of situation. And so we have been led to pray with respect and in a spirit of God-given humility as we humble ourselves that God will release on our prime minister the grace from heaven to bend his knee to God, that God might then bend the hearts of those different party leaders that he wants aligned with Prime Minister Netanyahu in a new government coalition. Bear in mind that during King Solomon's reign, Israel reached its peak years of peace and prosperity. Likewise, Israel today has reached a season of peace and prosperity unprecedented in its modern history since it's been restored as a state. And so we approach this with a good deal of sobriety and crying out to God to give us leaders after his own heart, beginning with a prime minister, and yeah. including very specifically uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. And, there, and anytime, Carrie, you want to jump on in, but one of the things that I, you know, I, I study feasts and festivals and things like that, and I study different months, and uh, there's a month upcoming that's called Av, A-V, and it is a month preceding the, the greatest festival and feast time in Israel, the, the Feast of Tabernacles and things like that. But we're entering into a time frame of uh, it's important to make the right decisions. And, you know, America has made a lot of wrong decisions, and Israel has made some wrong decisions as well. And a lot of those uh, are governmental decisions. And I believe that the creator of the universe is going, you know, here's what we really need to do. You know, and I, your analogy, uh, I think, of uh, Solomon is very good because, you know, he went in with the blessings of his father, David, and then he started, uh, you know, multiplying wives and multiplying horses and, and have, using his wisdom to supersede God's wisdom. And it caused the downfall of Israel. You know, it caused the downfall of Israel and Judah, and they got uh, cast away or taken away to different areas. And now, look what's happening. Since 1948, the Jews are coming back to their promised land. How remarkable. I know know this thrills both of your hearts, Sandra and Carrie. Any thoughts, Carrie? Well, um, what I'd like to expound on a little bit of what Sandy shared is that there's an authority on the indigenous people in any nation. For instance, let, let's say uh, in 2016 that there was an election in the U.S., for instance, between yes. a man and a woman, for instance, and uh, that the United States' future could depend on who, whom was elected. And the citizens of the United States asked for prayer, but they didn't pray themselves. They depended on the people of China and the people of Korea and the people of South America to pray for the outcome of the election. My. That would be 
insane. It would be insane. So I, I get your analogy there. The the tendency it, let's let, we we have fallen captive to that in America and not standing our ground on political things or standing our ground on. Uh, you know, school things, uh, abortion, we've kind of let those things slide. It's, if I'm understanding you properly, Carrie, is the danger is for us to just kind of trust that God is going to do it and hand the baton to somebody else who has no accountability, really. And this is the danger in Israel as well? Um, especially for those who have a heart after God. For believers in Israel, there can be tremendous opposition um, on every level. Yes. And so uh, many find that it's a real challenge for them to make the time for concerted, serious prayer. And we're thankful that's beginning to change. Yes. And God puts people in the right places for the right time. And I, I really believe that you, Sandra, and Carrie Toplinski have been placed in Jerusalem and in Israel for a time to to in, inspire this level of intimacy with the Creator, and I know as I, I've, I'm becoming pretty good friends with the, some the Orthodox people, and 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 also the Messianic people, also the Christians. I'm I'm and I'm getting a sense of what's going on in the Muslim world as well, and I'm going. This is a God timing thing, and there may be some things going coming to pass now that the opportunities have never arisen before, and we have to listen closely, pray with intent and purpose as, as God directs us, and entrust him to make some major changes here because, uh, you know, we're in a pivotal time right now, Sandra. We're in a very pivotal time. Right. Um, Cass, you mentioned just briefly in, uh, a few minutes ago about the t- season that we're in. You re- mentioned the ninth of Av, known yes. as Tisha B'Av. Um, we're actually approaching a very critical season of the calendar year, a time of biblical observance called Bain HaMitzarim. It translates in English to Between the Straits. It's observed from uh, the 17th of Tammuz to the ninth day of the month of Av, which corresponds this year to July 20th and ending August 10th. And that's a period historically during which God's uh, merciful judgments <laughs> yeah. have befallen Israel. And it's a time when observant Jews really go before God in repentance and fasting. The Israeli Prayer Network is calling a nationwide <laughs> fast and uh, a season of prayer. We invite Christians from the nations to join us. And during that time, actually, the rabbis trace, it's not, you can't prove this out of scripture, but Jewish tradition, according to the rabbis, is that it was on the 17th of Tammuz that Moses broke the written covenant that God wrote yes, with yes. his, the very finger, Coming the laws he the gave. Mountain. Right. Yes. right. In other words, that was a time God intended to uh, extend covenant to his people. Okay, so we want to see that appointed time restored. And also the 9th of Av, was, it is believed, the very date when uh, the children of Israel were to enter the promised land, but they refused out of unbelief. And so we see the ninth of Av, its redemptive purpose is a time that God has for all those who embrace his covenant of faith to enter into that place of promise. So this season can be a time of severe shaking and opposition. Um, and sometimes not just for Israel, but all those exactly. who worship the God of Israel yes. in spirit and truth. And so um, it's it really is a critical season. Well, Sandra and Carrie, one of the phrases that you guys use that is a, phrase, a, a term that is very uh, heart-driven for me as well, and that is you use the term restoration. 
And what God wants to do is he wants to re- restore his intent, not only in his land, but the land where his believers dwell. He wants to have that level of restoration. And the creator of the universe knows that the United States of America needs to be restored. We need to have, have our Judeo-Christian mentality and heart cry restored. There's a lot of turbulence and things that would rather go against that. And I suspect, and Carrie and I are going to talk about in the next segment, some of the governmental things that are going on that, you know, there, there are things that are fighting against that. And God's kids are fighting in favor of that. And many of God's kids may not even realize that they're in the thick of a battle. And, and one of the, your calls desires is to awaken their, their awareness and say, guess what? It's if you ever prayed, now's the time. If you've ever sought God, now's the time. Any thoughts on that? I think it's well put, Cass. <laughs> now is the time. Now is the time. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Oh, I like and it. And not just for Israel, but for all those who call Carrie? on the name of Yudhevav, hey, Yahweh. Yes. Sandy mentioned Bain HaMitzarim as this uh, three-week period referred to as between the straits. But it's also in the in the Book of Lamentations, uh, it translates in the midst of her distress say that again in the midst midst of her distress and i think that it that is an even more powerful way of perhaps imparting what this three-week period of time is all about and that uh this three-week period of time leading up to the calamitous day of the ninth day of the month of av Mm -hmm. where so many Tragedies have befallen the including Jewish people. The, including the destruction of both temples. Yes. That, that's my, my. It yes. can't be coincidental. It can't be coincidental. And so it, what better time is there to really get before God and repent? And so we, uh, we are fervent about making that happen. Yes, yes, yes. But the way, you know, the Jewish way of viewing repentance is not anything morose, <clears throat> but rather the um, embrace and acknowledgement that our God is a loving Father, that he desires for his children to come before him. Yes, in a state of brokenness, but not a brokenness unto complete despair, but the realization that as we go low, he lifts us up to himself, and that his judgments are merciful. And so... You know, we think of it as a spirit of grace and supplication, as Zechariah describes it in chapter 12, verse 10, that repentance is not a, you know, a a morose, sorrowful thing, but it's a gift. Yes. The gift of repentance or conviction by God is a gift of love that takes us deeper into his heart. Yes. which is what he created us for, isn't it? That heart Yes, yes, yes. And him. one of the things, you know, God gives different people different strengths to be able to impart this. And my friend, listening friend, you may have a gift of helps. You may have a gift of encouragement. You may have any number of gifts. And God wants to have those gifts dovetail with other people's gifts with the whole purpose of restoring his kids unto himself. His kids, that means Jew and Gentile. That means one new man. It means all those different things. And one of the ch- challenges is to discover what your calling is and move in it. Now, Sandra has been a very prolific writer and author, and she does 
podcast things, and she writes articles and things like that. So I know you go, oh, come on, Kaz. No, I'm just going to just bring it out here. Talk just very briefly in the, you know, we've got about three or four minutes left in this segment, and then Carrie and I are going to talk about government things. So tell us a little bit about your your writing heart cry. Sure. Um, many years ago, I wrote a couple of books that we self-published more or less, but I've written three books about Israel published by chosen books of Baker Publishing Group. Um, The first one is called Why Care About Israel? And I I wrote that back in a time when the church was just beginning to Mm -hmm. awaken to God's heart for Israel. And so at the time I wrote it, the main thesis there was derived from Genesis 12, 3. Those that bless Israel are blessed. Those that curse Israel are cursed. But I really wanted to capture, if I could, if God would allow me, his heart, his heart of love for Israel, that every follower of Jesus, every Christian is, in in, in, a, in a sense, you could use the word entitled to, that, that yes. God calls everyone into that degree of love. And so the book is really written heart to heart. The follow-up book to that is called Why Still Care About Israel, and that book is more focused on God's covenant, the understanding of covenant, moral justice, and prophetic blessing. And all of these things, although I go into much detail pertaining to Israel, are intended to release personal blessing to the the Christian reader as well. And then uh, the third book is called Israel's Anointing, which is about uh, the inheritance and prophetic destiny that Christians have with the Jewish nation. Yes, and, and Sandra Toplinski, I can just tell you that you're called to write in many, many ways. And that's, the, you know, the books is one part of it, but, you know, a re- abbreviated version of a book is called an article. or a blog or something like that. So God has created so many different paths for us to communicate his heart. My listening friend, you may have some of those skill sets as well. And God is saying, I believe, I would not be misquoting for him encouraging you to discover what those callings are and activate them, be activated in them. It's time time for no longer just warming a seat somewhere. It's time for being whom you've been called to be. Sandra Tuplinski and Carrie and we're going to uh, take a little break here, and then we're going to come back. But if you've looked in the news, especially if it's international news or the news in Israel, you know there's some amazing things that could be done properly or improperly, big danger things going on there. there and, and, and Kerry has a real heart for keeping a thumb on the pulse of some of the things that are going on there. And he and I are going to talk about this in the next segment. And then, Sandra, you get to do color commentary with us speaking about that. Are you game for that? Sure am. <laughs> okay, Carrie, are you game for that? Yes, sir. Okay. We're going to have some more fun in the last segment of, as well as the Toplinskis of Light of Zion Ministries and Kaz come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. And we're back with Sandra and Carrie Toplinski, Light of Zion Ministries out of Jerusalem. But they are kind and they summer 
in San Diego. So it's good to have you summering with us, Gary, and Sandra, of course. Thank you. <laughs> you know, well, I've been setting up this last segment for quite some time here because it's an area that I do a lot of. I'm very interested in what's going on, not only in the Ameri- in the government in the United States, but also the government governance going on in Israel. And in my understanding, this is, we're at very, very vital times. Uh, let me just reset the stage, and I'm going to hand it over to you, Carrie, because you're in the thick of it there, and you you know stuff, and we're going to glean from that. And 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 Sandra and I will give input where input is necessary. But as I look at what's going on in the United States, governmental-wise, and I look what's happening in uh, Israel, we're talking about elections and we're talking about uh, different people assuming different uh, control of different areas of government. And we're at a vital time. And um, as I look at the 2020 race in the United States with Donald Trump, I see a lot of proponents for the God-related stuff that he's doing, but I also see a lot of negative... uh, in uh, projections and proclamations to to take him down. And that troubles my heart, but I go and I step back and I go, this is uh, God's timing and all this stuff. And I, and I go, but also as you look at Israel, a, a very similar parallel is happening there. I mean, they, they had elections that didn't hold because they need to have was it a 60 member Knesset. Is that right? 120. A hundred. I, that's forgive me. 120 members. Um, but but there have to be there has to be a, a certain number that gives you the leverage to actually yes. lead the Knesset. Uh, why don't you share a little bit of that, and I'll give some in, insights from what I'm seeing. Uh, because by the way, also into this equation, Gary is uh, days ago, literally a the first phase of a peace plan was introduced into the uh, Holy Land, into the Middle East, and that is going to be vitally including all the uh, all the Muslim countries that are immediately surrounding Israel, including the Palestinian Authority and the Hamas people uh, in in Gaza. I, I mean, but but it's been presented in a way that is not political first, it is economical first. So I'm very enticed to see what God is doing in the big picture there. So I'm going to hand the baton over to you to kind of give an overview of the things that are going on in Israel, and maybe I'll do a comparison with the United States. And of course, Sandra will jump on in where she feels called to do so. Kerry Toplinski. Well, in Israel, unlike in the United States, we don't vote for the prime minister. The prime minister uh, is the head of the government, but only if the prime minister, he or she, can put together a governing coalition in the Knesset. And as uh, you mentioned, there are 120 members in the Knesset. In order to govern, a coalition needs to have 61 members, so 50% plus one. The problem is that there are so many political parties and factions in Israel that even the largest political party never gets anywhere near that number of seats. So there's a lot of, uh, what do you say, in, in the Jewish... Kibitzing or what? What? What's, what's a Jewish? Kibitzing is kibitzing, that what you're trying to say? You do this. We'll do this. Negotiate. I guess you'd call it negotiation, right, Sandra? You could call it that. <laughs> Backroom negotiation. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so, for instance, in the elections that were held in uh, April, we had somewhere maybe thirty-eight different political parties—an amazing number—and you just get to vote for a political party. You don't vote for a candidate. You don't vote for a prime minister. You Take a slip of paper and put it in the box and said, that's the party. But if you don't garner enough votes, you don't get included in the Knesset. Any, every party needs to be able to achieve 3.25% of the vote to get any seats at all. Yes. So most of the parties have no realistic chance of having any seat in the government. 
So some major things are happening now because they uh, that uh, uh, Netanyahu was not able to get the what did you say the number sixty one sixty one. So it's all everything's been scrubbed and having to start all over again. That's never happened before. That's correct. So Netanyahu was uh, he's the leader of the Likud party and Likud uh, gained thirty five seats. Uh, the main opposition party, Blue and White, also gained 35 seats. <laughs> but Likud is thought to be a right-wing party, and so he pulls in uh, allies from the Orthodox Jewish parties and from some of the non-Orthodox right-wing parties. And he would have had 65 seats, which would have allowed him to govern. But two of the, part, two of the factions, the non-religious right-wingers and the religious yes. right-wingers they couldn't agree to get together. And my understanding and my recollection is the the issue was uh, having uh, Jewish men participate in the military and one said no because we want them to study the scripture and the other side said, if we're serving in the military, you guys need to, and that was an impasse. So everything is happening all over again. But I want you to begin tying in uh, another layer on this and that is uh, peace processes right in the thick of this. A lot of people would say, why is Trump and Jared Kushner and the team introducing a peace plan in the middle of this uh, unsurety uh, in 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 Israeli government, but it seems like they feel that the time is actually right. I looked into the first half of the peace plan, which is not the political side, but the uh, economic side. It's remarkable. I think that it just makes sense that if people are economically secure, they're going to be far less interested in blowing up buildings (laughs) and buses. Yeah. Sandra? One, One interesting development that we've seen arise in the land is that there is a movement um, organized by an American Christian to bring um, Israeli businesses together with Palestinian businesses. I'm, I can't recall her name right at the moment, but I, and I don't know if her plan is part of this new initiative, but it seems to be a fresh and new approach. There have been other economic plans proposed in the past that haven't worked, yes. but hers seems to be fresh and new, and it, it is being spon- funded in to a significant degree by American Christians, yes. which is, you know, hold some promise. And one thing that we have been uh, concerned about is the, the disproportionate political power that's held by the ultra-Orthodox extremists yes. and their parties in the Netanyahu-led coalitions of the past. And so we're hoping and we're praying that different parties will replace mm-hmm. the power held by these extremist ultra-Orthodox, the ones with the black coats yes. and hats. Not that we have any antagonism toward them, but they would impose religious law, the Jewish equivalent of Sharia law. Huh. They are seeking to impose that on the general population of the land. Now, are we talking about the United States or are we talking about Israel? I'm, no, being, talking, faci- okay. I'm being facetious <laughs> yeah. because it's exactly the same thing that's going on here, Gary. Well, I think that uh, it's important to recognize that in the United United States, a right-wing government is often a government that embraces Christian principles. But that's not so in and Israel. Israel, a right-wing government embraces anti-Christian principles. Oh and my. that's hugely important to understand. We, we need to come to a conclusion here because we want to have you guys both do a little bit of prayer to close the show. But uh, Sandra, uh, Sandra, I was thoughts? just going to say that if the right wing government can, it consists of a strong ultra-Orthodox wing, then it would be an anti-Christian type of government. Well, we know that we've spoken about the power of prayer. 
Amen. So, uh, Sandra, I'm going to have you pray on that topic, and then I'm going to hand it over uh, to Carrie to do the ironic ble- uh, benediction at the close of this show. My friends, get ready for some wonderful stuff. Sandra? Father God, we thank you, and together we praise you that you are fully in control, that you are sovereign, that you are good, and that you are altogether loving. Lord, I'm asking that you would release on those who've heard this broadcast a deeper knowledge of the height and depth of breath of your love, your covenant love, God, where you cannot not love, Lord, as you have manifest that to your people Israel in the past century. In Yeshua's name. Very good, Carrie. And so now, let, let, me, let me set the stage for you. Carrie is going to recite or present the ironic. Ar- benediction and this carries a wonderful weight because uh, this is something that you hear in Israel all the time carry any any thoughts quickly and then we get, get you to do that just that it's what how God instructed the priests to pray for the people very good in Car- numbers carry go ahead he says the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you the lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace Shalom. Oh, my friends, uh, I tell you what, you, you know I have a real heart for, uh, for Zion, for Jerusalem, for the city of David, and, and for Israel all together and the people therein. And God's doing some amazing things. So, so, and it's wonderful to have people that are right in the thick of that. Sandra and, and Carrie Toplinski. Uh, Light of Zion are among those. So I want you to just keep them in prayer as well. And thank you for the ironic benediction, Carrie. And my listening friend, it's about time for us to go away. So uh, we say peace to you, God's shalom upon you. And let's see what God does, but not only what he does, but what he does through you. See you next week, my friends. Thanks for joining Chaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.